Play analysis, Devin Nash be on the mic, so you know it's hella lit. Better plug your headphones in on Apple Podcasts, and we up on Spotify. Ooh, on Anchor too, no parachute, we so fly. We talking sports and music, what's the newest in that culture? Better stream, yeah, you better tune in. It ain't gonna cost ya. We talking sports and music, what's the newest? Got exclusives, yeah, we do this play by play. Follow the page, eh? If you don't know, don't worry about it. What is going on, everybody? Another edition of the Play-By-Play Analysis Podcast. It's a special Monday episode because a real nigga's turning 26 on Friday, so we can't drop it on Wednesday because he's going on a trip on Tuesday. So, we're here. We're here. It's your boy, Devin Ashby, SKA Play-By-Play, SKA the birthday boy to be. And if you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. Special guest in the building again, our residual correspondent, Jamal, D1 Ignite University podcast host, out in the building, you know, live from an undisclosed location somewhere in the heart of Texas. I'm not giving his location away because it's top secret stuff right here. I'm talking witness protection. Look, all you need to know is that the stars at night are still big and bright. What's good, people? Uh, I'm waiting on my residual checks to come in at this point. I'm basically like Nelly when he was on first take, what it seemed like every other month back in the Dizzy. But you know, I'm here. I'm happy. I'm ready to get it in. Happy early birthday to you, Captain Scully. Um, Don't get lost on your trip is all I got to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Promise it won't, you know, can't, you know, it's too much at stake with that. But yeah, like you, you know, I'm I'm waiting on my residuals, you know, you know, Uncle Sam owes me some money. It still hasn't come yet, but we're 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 holding out hope now. Now the only person that probably is not short on cash at the moment is a certain quarterback by the name of Deshaun Watson, which we are going to get into today. As delicately as possible, because honestly, this might be one of the weirder situations we've seen in a long time for any quarterbacks. Obviously, uh, for those that have been living under a rock over the last two years, Deshaun Watson, one of the top young quarterbacks in the league. Um, And then in 2019, the, the Texans took a serious step back, were trash, and... Watson basically decided he wanted out. And, you know, they had traded J.J. Wadaway willingly. They let him pick where he wanted to go. But they weren't ready to get rid of Deshaun Watson. And he, I guess because he had just signed an extension, whatever. And then a chain of events basically shit hit the fan. And... uh, as many as it, it just started like a trickle down effect, but something like 22 women in total have now like began coming out with allegations of sexual assault, sexual misconduct on the part of Deshaun. You know, most of them were therapists, people that you know he worked with in the off season to get his body right, and they you know were saying that he's doing all these nasty, heinous things. And so he kind of just disappeared from the spotlight for like a good year. 
wasn't on the field, wasn't really in the public eye, just was, you know, until the legal, and then the legal situation just was on a standstill for the longest time, but it, at least to an, to an, to an extent, came to some sort of a re- resolve in the last couple of weeks. Um, no criminal charges are going to be filed against him, but he still faces 22 civil suits, so it's like not entirely over. It's just over as far as he's not going to jail no time soon. And with that being said, I will start this show off by saying we don't condone any type of sexual assault, rape, unwanted sexual attention, violence against women. None of that bullshit flies around these parts. So we, I just got to get that off the back burner first. And, you know, I don't know if you had anything to say about just kind of the way this Deshaun Watson stuff has played out. Kind of what has been your take on all of it? It's been it's been one of the weirder situations to deal with. Oh, like you said, we do not condone, accept, or anything in a, any sexual or any form of violence against women or other people of that nature. But here's the weird thing about Deshaun Watson's case is, yes, he had multiple upon multiple uh accusations of this uh, outrageous behavior but he also had just as many people come out and say that didn't happen to them yada 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 blah 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 and then the other thing about it was he acquitted it yes at this point and kind of the thing where i'm stuck on is look 21 accusations that's a lot of accusations that's hard to say that he ain't do it right at the same time i also feel like when has the system ever hesitated to send a black man to jail, especially a rich one? When has that ever happened? Like the last one to get away was OJ, and OJ was one of the most beloved people in America. As good as Deshaun Watson is, he is nowhere near OJ level beloved. At least not among so, white folks. Yes, that's that's really what got me. White folks loved OJ. We we definitely can't say that same about Watson. So it's a crazy thing to think about. And look, I I can't pretend to know all the facts. I can't pretend to say I know what happened. Um, that's for God to know at the moment. But as of now, legally, he will be playing in the NFL next season. Yeah, well, as far as we know, because there's still another side to this, which is whatever the NFL decides to do with him in terms of suspension or anything because it's been it's not unprecedented where guys who have escaped any legal trouble still end up getting suspended by the NFL we saw it with Ezekiel Elliott we saw it with um it was some other people that they've been talking about but we we've seen this before where guys just because they don't get criminally charged doesn't mean that the NFL doesn't still take it upon themselves to I mean yeah put them through discipline just like uh just because some, just because you don't do something illegal at work, doesn't mean it's not against uh, company policy. Right. So that that is as it, as it may, as of this moment, we all know. I'm not the NFL. I'm not Goodell. But um, hey, we'll see what happens. And Watson got the bag regardless because that thing that's is yeah that, that's the part we're gonna get into in a second. And it's like, bro. First of all, as far as suspensions go, the fact that all he did was assault 22 women, so in the NFL's eyes, that is probably going to be four games. games. Maybe five. Probably six on the worst end. (laughs) You know, 
Because it, it's I, not I, like he gambled on football him, games. You know? I doubt they would give him more than six because there, there's no video evidence. Right. It's not like he gambled on football games or deflated footballs. You know, like it, of course, you not. know, things that matter. Right. So he probably going to end up getting four or five games at that. But the thing about that is, here's this contract. Here's where this contract comes in. I was reading today that the Browns designed it in such a way that Watson essentially won't have to pay any real fines. And again, all of it's fully guaranteed, and it's basically protect. It's suspension proof like any fines or anything that he may get from the NFL that contract won't be affected he won't have to pay any of that I think the Browns would kind of take that on their head or something like so yeah the Browns are doing whatever they can to avoid quarterback purgatory like they've been in for the last 30 some odd years right they thought they had their answer in Baker obviously he wasn't the answer and now that is Another domino in this whole mess because Watson is now entrenched as Cleveland's starter. Two hundred and thirty-five million, fully guaranteed for six years. I think something like that. Six, five, six years. Two hundred and thirty-five million. Kirk Cousins is having a wet dream right now. <laughs> like it, even the eighty-three million he got from Minnesota. Couldn't touch 230. This is the contract to end all contracts. For quarterbacks, at least. Like, the quarterback market in the NFL has officially taken on a level that we that I don't think there's any turning back now. There's no turning back, but there's a way we can make it better. Honestly, I would say the quarterback does not need to be counted in your salary cap. because Or only half of it can be counted towards your salary cap. Because at this point, in about four years, it's going to get to the point where, like, all right, man, my quarterback is taking up 50, 60% of my salary cap. It's going to be like the replacements. I literally can't afford to field a team. Yeah, I think, and I think there are some NFL agents that are watching this closely with that in mind. So I, I don't know. But, you know, Lamar Jackson hasn't gotten paid yet. And now he just saw this contract and he saw what. Uh, Kirk Cousins is getting in. He obviously saw what Mahomes got a couple years ago. Josh Allen recently. Now, it's like, bro, bro, let me tell you. Let me tell you. But a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it's too much money. And it's like, well, you look at the NFL right now. Watson was up there with those other big names before he got. Like, I know he hasn't played football in almost two full years now. But people can't forget, at least on the field. We're not talking about his personal life at this moment. On the field. Deshaun Watson is one of the ones. He's right up there with Pat Mahomes. He's right up there with Josh Allen. He's up there with Lamar. You know, he is in that class of quarterback. And if there's anybody that I would give $235 million to accusations withstanding, it is Deshaun Watson for, for football only. With, with no doubt. Like, first of all, he went, to head, he went head to head with Patrick Mahomes. And had he not played for the dumpster fire that is the Houston Texans, Houston Texans, he would have blown him out the water. Well, Bill O'Brien specifically, because he just... Yeah, at, at one point, they had a three-possession lead. Yeah, I've never like, seen somebody were, spot someone 21 points and then just sit up like a man and say, all right, and then hang 51 okay, just, straight. Things got... He, it was Pokemon, Ash turned his hat backwards, and yeah, it just got... Right, and Bill O'Brien handed them the damn game. 
you know, running a fake, a fake punt on fourth and four in the first quarter or whatever the hell it was. Like, it, just, it was just bonehead play. After. Like, the Texans, you know, all due respect to some of my some of my listeners that are from Houston, the Texans wasted so many, and even J.J. Watt said it, they wasted so many prime years of that man's career. You know, like, you remember the, there was a famous – you know, they were, they were hot mic that was caught where, you know, they're walking off the field and J.J. is basically apologizing to him saying, you know, we shouldn't have gone 4-12. and 12. We wasted a year of yours. Because Watson, I think it was either Watson or D-Hop that was telling J.J., I'm sorry we wasted your years. Yeah, no, it was J.J. was telling uh, Watson that. Because it just didn't. The Texans have had the same problem basically since they became a franchise, I believe, in 2000. Ooh. Yeah, that they have not, they haven't had a quarterback. You can't win in this league without one, except under very, very extreme circumstances where you have an all-time great defense. But it, out of the off the top of my head, David Carr, Matt Schwab, like if those are some of the best names to throw on your your team's history of success. There's a reason you don't have a history of success. Right. Watson instantly became the best quarterback in that team's history the moment he walked in the door. It, which is sad, isn't it? Yeah, considering how many like, years Matt Schaub played for them, that is incredibly sad. Yeah, like, you could, you, you could argue Herbert is much more talented than Phil, but you could never say after two seasons, like, yeah, this is the best quarterback in Chargers franchise history. Like, eh, it don't work that way. It don't. It don't. It don't. But... In this case, it was, yeah, bro. If you if you just get to the playoffs and make it looks like it wasn't the hardest thing in the world, then yeah, you're you're our goat. Right, and and he, and and it was cool to have him down in Houston from like a cultural standpoint. It was it was just cool to. I mean, before we learned about him, <laughs> you know, it, it, and he sometimes, was, sometimes yeah. like they say, the situation you put in. Sometimes a city is just bad for you. It's just. I, I actually I got a theory about these accusations, and it's it's kind of like a I don't know how true it is or isn't. I think a lot of people are going to be like, you know, there was a lot of weird circumstances about how they came to light because obviously the the attorney that was representing these women had like these like interesting and questionable ties to the owner of the Texans, you know, like it was his neighbor or a friend of his. And then these this stuff came out like almost coincidentally right as he's having a holdout and demanding to be traded and, you know, soured on the city at the moment. And, you know, a lot of people are going to try to say, well, oh, you know, they're trying to set him up. And I think that's too easy to just be like, oh, we're setting him up. I have a theory that this is who he was all along. And the city was willing to cover it up because he was just so damn good at football. And when you're that damn talented and you're one of the best people, like one of the icons in a the city, there are some things that people are willing to look the other way on. And there are some things that will never make light as long as you don't shake the boat, shake the table, ruffle the feathers, whatever. As soon as he turned on the city, they pulled the rug out. And then you see all the nah. everything. And that that's my theory. I don't know how true it is, but that's what I believe happened. Like Houston, the city of Houston, whoever the the people, the powers that be knew that this shit was going on, 
and just looked the other way until he got he got out of place and started, you know, being a rebel rouser. And then that's when this stuff I mean, came out. That's a solid theory. And it's not it's really it's really not to say it's wrong, because it's been proven. If you're good at something, if you have talent, people are willing to look the other way. Cleveland for a lot of <laughs> we don't even have to we don't even have to go as far as legal stuff. Just think go back to high school. When the top athletes got in trouble, did they really get in trouble? No. They might have got yelled at. They might have had to run a little extra. But ain't nothing happened to them. Mm-hmm. That's like, what I'm oh, you, you threw a pencil at the back of a girl's head? Bet. You, you, we not going to suspend you because we kind of need you on that field. But you're going to run these extra laps. I remember it was a coach. My, my old city or my uh, old neighborhood the high school with the best winning streak in the entire country by public schools their coach got embroiled in a hazing scandal involving JV players there were times where it looked like he might get suspended at one point it looked like he might even lose his job End of the day, nothing really happened. You know, they ended up losing in the playoffs, and it kind of lingered through the offseason. But then when the next season came, he was still on the sideline. Yeah, <laughs> you know? they just magically disappeared. They refused to bring him, make him available to the media and all that. But, like, he, he was still there, you know. And he stepped out on his own terms. You know, they won a state championship, and he walked off into the sunset. And nothing ever really happened to him. Like, so, to your point, yeah. Things people are willing to look the other way on some things if you, you know, are good at what you do. And Cleveland is a big example of that. Because to give not only to bring this dude to your team, but to give him two hundred and thirty-five million fully guaranteed dollars, when you know there's a chance he may not play, and you know the scrutiny that's going to come with it, and they're not going to be able to hide forever. Because it's like, bro, you you already know what's probably going to happen, which is whenever he is made available to the press, he's probably not really going to be made available. They're going to limit what questions you ask. They're going to probably protect him from questioning. Like, if people ask certain questions, they're going to be like, oh, we put a statement out, like an answer on his behalf, all types of stuff. Like, oh, we're only taking football questions. Like, it's going to be a whole lot of that. And I don't know how long Cleveland thinks they can do it, but they're going to try their damnedest because they know what's coming. This, more than any other time we've seen before, they know, like, this is as awkward as any of these other previous situations. This is why publicists and PR exist. Unlike, um, what was, un- unlike our man Calvin Ridley, who went on a Twitter rant after he got caught uh, betting on his team, which, by the way, I still think is a bullshit crime. Um, they're going to tell him, Deshaun, here's what you do you shut up, you don't say nothing. Whenever they ask, if they ask you this list of questions, this is how you respond to X, Y, Z. You do not give them anything to go off of. You give them the bare minimum, and we have told you what that bare minimum is. Shut up. Don't do nothing stupid, and we can let this blow over, which is how a lot of things in the world works. If you don't give it the attention, if you don't point anything out, if you don't screw up, you ever gotten in trouble at school, got home before your parents, but you like, if I'm asleep, if I'm taking the nap, they can't whoop me because I'm asleep. I got That's beat a, out of a, I got beat out of a, a nap once. But yeah, I mean, aside from that, yeah. 
It, was I mean, only, it only so happened like one time. <laughs> there are some parents that don't care. But for the most part, if you sleep, they won't beat you. They'll at least wait till you wake up. Right. Generally, most of the time. There was only like one time where I got whooped out of a sleep. <laughs> and I forgot what I did, but it was like, it did happen. But, yeah. yeah you eventually you did something wrong that day. But, yeah, it's a lot of things I think about. The other thing with this thing is, obviously, and I've said it on this show before, I've said it on your show before, the NFL is a copycat league. When you, especially when you win a Super Bowl, if, if a team wins a Super Bowl and they do it in a certain fashion that is either trendsetting or just kind of jarring in the way that it's done, people are going to, whether successfully or unsuccessfully, try to replicate that formula thinking it's going to work. We saw Sean McVay. We saw everybody wanted to look for the next Sean McVay. That's how Cliff Kingsbury failed his way into the Arizona Cardinals job. You know, that's why Sean McVay assistants and Kyle Shanahan assistants continue to get jobs around the league. You know, so we saw it with that. The Seattle defense in 2013, that was like one of the, the Legion of Boom, one of the greatest defenses we will ever see. Everybody started trying to draft tall cornerbacks and defensive backs. You know, like cornerbacks used to be 5'11", and now everybody is 6'3", 6'4", Jalen Ramsey types out here now. You know, that wasn't a thing for, for the longest. You know, now you look at the Rams. They got this fuck them picks philosophy that they got where they, they don't draft nothing. We are trading all our picks away because I'd rather win now than build for the future. And so they traded everything away for Stafford, for Ramsey, for for Odell, Odell Beckham. Well, he signed as a free agent, but same idea. You know, you got Odell. He traded everything away for Von Miller. Like, and then they keep re-signing these dudes. So, like, they have no cap space whatsoever, no money, no draft picks for at least the next six years. <laughs> you know, and now everybody is doing that. Deshaun Watson, Cleveland, a team that absolutely shouldn't be trading draft picks away just based off of their previous history. Threw away three first round picks and I think a second and a third over the next couple of years to get Deshaun Watson. Like this fuck them picks mentality is starting to reverberate around the league because we saw a couple other. This offseason has been real crazy. You know, Russell Wilson, Denver, the same thing. You know, like. Devontae Adams to, to Las Vegas. You know, like, people are starting to... that F, Like, I don't know if Efton picks will take over as quickly as some of those other things, but we're seeing people are starting to prioritize, you know, current players over trying to win now over winning later. You know, so that's what I see with Cleveland. And then the other thing, to more with this Watson stuff, it's, it's, it's another... It's, it's going to be... Like I said, Cleveland can't run from it, obviously, because of off-the-field stuff. But even if they think that they can get away with not letting Watson be available for the media, think about something else. This And this is one of the things that I don't know if a lot of people are even paying attention to. The fact that he missed all of last season potentially means he could be eligible for Comeback Player of the Year. If Deshaun Watson lights the league up like everybody expects him to, We will forget. The, the I mean, we'll forget. No, but that's the thing. I'm like, they won't because I'm like, bro, can you imagine if Deshaun Watson wins comeback player of the year? Understanding, like, to understand what he's coming back from? <laughs> like, there's a reason you missed the season. Like, imagine how awkward that will be if Deshaun Watson wins comeback player of the year. Like, having that speech potentially, give, like. Don't give a speech. Don't give a speech. Would you win it? Just say thank you, everybody. I'm out, and then just walk back to your seat. Like be Kanye to understand, because then 
that will be a vote because this is a voting thing. So that means voters will consciously understand he missed all of last year for whatever reason. And now he's back. Like you, you have to consciously know what he's coming back from to even vote him comeback player of the year. Because comeback player of the year ain't a football story all the time. You look at the people that have won it. Eric Berry won the year after he came back from a cancer diagnosis. You know, um, Joe Burrow, well, was it Joe Burrow who won last year or Dak Prescott? One of them, you know, they came back from like a torn ACL. You know. Dak won comeback player of the year. Yeah. Coming off a torn ACL. I mean, torn ACL is football, but still, like just how emotional it was. And, you know, you look at that it's not always a football Alex Smith and his whole journey with his surgery and missing and almost dying in the hospital like people were inspired by that if Deshaun Watson wins comeback player of the year you have to acknowledge what he's coming back from you're not going to just sit here and pretend like this is a football only story in that situation that's that's the one thing that's going to be interesting to me because he clearly would be the front runner next year I can't think of too many other people that will just be coming off of anything that could, if, if he lights it up like we think he will. And yeah, so that's the, that's the part that I'm going to be watching. Now, the last thing I'm going to say on this uh, Deshaun Watson stuff, on the field to wrap things up, clearly Cleveland got better. Cleveland is a team that has drafted very well over the last few years, which is something in the last decade we haven't been able to say but over the last like five or six years when you look at everybody that Cleveland has brought in from Nick Chubb to Denzel Ward to Miles Garrett and even to a lesser extent Baker Mayfield I mean he was clearly the best quarterback they've had in their recent history up until some setbacks last year like this is a team that I don't know if there are a lot of people who think they're just instantly the best team in the division and I don't believe that I think that's a little disrespectful to Lamar Jackson. But they are right up there. If if not 1A, they're 1B. You know, and I do think that this is like, you know, obviously everybody thought he laughed and thought, oh, you know, he should go to Atlanta or Carolina. I think Carolina is close to Cleveland in terms of the way their roster is currently put together. But it still ain't quite at the level of Cleveland. Atlanta wouldn't have made sense at all. Because that just would have been, oh, you know, staying close to home and whatever. But Cleveland clearly, when you look at it, at first it's, we laugh at it because it's Cleveland. But, like, you look at the fact that they are a roster, aside from a, the questionable receiver positions, that team is ready to win right now. They're like one or two receivers away, I think, from really making some noise in that division. You know, it's going to be Baltimore, Cleveland, maybe throw in Cincinnati because give or take, you know, it's – this is why I said Joe Burrow has to win the Super Bowl this year because this division was only going to get tougher. And this was before the Watson stuff. Like, you know, so the AFC is tough enough. Now you look at your own division, which you got Watson and Jackson in, who are both either a league MVP and a guy who's played at an MVP level for years. So <clears throat> that division is going to be very formidable. You know, it told the AFC West to hold the beer real quick. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. That's where we're at. See, I don't agree it told the AFC West to hold my beer because the AFC Wild Wild West is just that, the Wild Wild West. But you're correct about Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had a really good year. I, I, I'm opposed to what the rest of the dick writers want to believe, 
go look at his numbers for the playoffs. He didn't have a great playoffs. He had okay playoffs, but not a great one. Mm-hmm. But the point of that is, you made the AFC North is one of the most consistent divisions in the NFL with the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers because Mike Tomlin has not had a losing season since he got there. Right. The Baltimore Ravens are perennial playoff teams. They're not always Super Bowl contenders, but they most likely get that first get that first or that second wild card in the AFC. Yes, the Browns are typically the Browns and the Bengals have not been very relevant, especially in the later back half of Andy Dalton's career. But this was Joe's year. This was, look, the Steelers are down. Everybody on the Ravens is hurt, so Lamar can't do as much. And the Browns self-imploded after, like, week five. So, look, you have the division is for you. And anyone who knows uh, NFL football, winning the division is much better, much easier route than getting in via wild card. And now you do have to deal with the AFC quarterbacks stands is crazy from it, especially from the young standpoint and from the veteran standpoint with Russ joining the AFC West. You still have Herbert Carr is still really good. Um, Josh Allen is coming to his own. Lamar Jackson is still Lamar Jackson. Um, Watson was in the AFC before, but now he's there again. And of course, Pat Mahomes. And of course, the man that everyone has to beat, basically, in the league, Pat Mahomes is still here. So the Browns have a lot of work cut out for them, as well as since he, this, this was their window, and I'm not sure it'll open again. The Browns have to beat my three command, my three absolutes of football. And for those of you who do not remember my three absolutes, yeah, Chargers got a Charger, Cowboys got a Cowboy, and Raiders got a Raider. But you can also switch out Raiders going to Raider and Browns going to Brown. So that just depends on how you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. The point of it is the Browns, I'm not sold. I'm not sold. Like you said, they need two or three more receive. They need two to three more receivers. As good as Amari Cooper is, are he, is he going to stay consistent? Because now, his the, at the beginning of his career, Oakland, warm weather, nice weather city majority of the time. The last few years, Dallas, they play indoors. Now you're in Cleveland. Now you know by the end of September that weather is not going to be nice. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes it makes your job as a receiver and a quarterback that much harder. Speaking of that, Watson has played indoors his entire career. Because think about the Texans at NRG, they play indoors. The, mm-hmm. Col- uh, the Colts at Lucas Oil. They play indoors. The Jags play in Florida. It rains a little bit, but for the most part, the weather is nice. Um, Tennessee is probably the coldest, worst place that he has to play on a on a week yearly basis. But Tennessee weather ain't got nothing on that Northeast Ohio. Right. I was about to say Tennessee and Kansas City are cold, but Northeast Ohio is just different. Baltimore, yeah, Kansas- Baltimore is crazy too because it sits right on the water. Cincinnati. It's- Pittsburgh. Like, bro. Exactly. That that's why you hear me say all the time, Chargers have to win the division because the worst thing you want to happen is a West Coast warm weather team to have to go to Pittsburgh. It has to go to New England. Every time we go to New England, it don't end well because it's always cold. 
Right. Baltimore the same way. That's part of the other thing. That defense was ferocious, mainly because them hits hurt. You ever got hit full speed in the cold? That shit hurt. A monster who does not care about your well-being, bad mix. That hurts. You know, it hurts. And and you ain't played football in two years now. (laughs) Like, look. Look, your body may have recovered some, but it, you're not used to the hits no more. And the right. don't get no softer. And you definitely, I was about to say, even in the AFC, when you, like, Houston, when they would go to the playoffs, I mean, yeah, you would go to Kansas City, like we said, and then, like, I don't think he ever played against New England in the playoffs. Like, I'm trying to think who the teams, he only went to the playoffs, like. I, I think he only had one playoff run because the. He's in the same draft class as Pat Mahomes, I want to say. Yeah. So, 2018, so, they were like... So, he went, to the, he went to the playoffs, I believe, his second year. And his and third. Then after that was when the allegations came out. And he sat basically the last two years because of that. Right. So, he so has, yeah. So he only one playoff run. He, he only has one playoff run under his belt. That's crazy to think about. I feel like he's been in the league for a long time. That's wild. Because <laughs> I feel like Pat Mahomes been in the league for a long time. It feels but, like it's been forever. Yeah, so we say all that to say, like, no, 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 no. We got the calendar wrong. So him and Pat Mahomes both came in in 2017. He started 2017 but didn't finish the year because he got hurt. Pat Mahomes didn't start. 2018, Pat Mahomes' first year, he wins MVP. Deshaun Watson and them get to the playoffs, but I don't think they – whatever. 2019 was – the Chiefs Super Bowl run, that's where they went to Kansas City and they were up 21 nothing and blew it. Oh, okay. And then yeah, 2020 was the bad year and then the allegations came out at the end of that season. Yeah. And that that's where we're sense. at now. So, <laughs> it was like, yeah, I was like, I felt like we were missing. But yeah, that is. And we say all that to say Cleveland's where it's at now. Now, the last domino, as I mentioned before, in all of this madness is Baker Mayfield. What happens to him now? Oh, uh- the Colts, maybe. <laughs> I, I think the Colts understand that maybe Baker will not be a long-term thing, but it's better than whoever be. they got now. He actually could um, be. Like, I know I he, he wore his welcome out in Cleveland, and I understand that. But sometimes you just need a fresh start. And I feel like he's different than some of the other guys. They Like, they brought in Phil at the end of his career, which didn't make sense. They brought in Carson Wentz for whatever reason. That was never going to work out. Baker, I think, is better than both of them right now. Because he's still only, what, 26, 25? He might be 25. Yeah, he's, you know, and he still has talent. Like, I know people like to rag on him. He's not Joe Burrow. He's not Lamar. He's clearly not Deshaun. But... You look at that roster that the Colts have. I mean, you got Jonathan Taylor, which is about as good, if not better, than Nick Chubb. You know, you have you have Ty. The the receivers are kind of a question. That's that's where it's at. Well, the biggest the biggest plus side I can say for Baker maybe going to the Colts is now you play indoors. And that too. Now you play indoors where four or five times exactly. out of six a year. Yeah. Now, now weather's not as big of an issue. Um, you have you have the offensive line. You got Jonathan Taylor to just hand the ball off and say, "Here you go." You have a solid defense led by Baker Darius Leonard. Just, 
I've been saying since Baker's rookie year, look, cool, you had a great year, but how many times have we seen a guy have one great year and fizzle out for the rest of his career like it never happened? Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. Robert Griffin. Josh, Josh Freeman. It's happened too many times for me to crown somebody anything after a year. After right. one year, the biggest thing I can give you is, hey, you won rookie of the year. Cool. That don't mean nothing for the rest of your career, though. Hell, even Joe Burrow. We're going to see about him now that people know about him. We're going to see. I think he's up to it, but we're still, even with him, we're going to see. Like, oh, yeah, you got to the Super Bowl now, but you didn't win it. What's up? What and you going to do? Now, and now you don't want the Dan Marino curse up. I got to the Super Bowl in my second year. Never sniffed it again. Right, or the, and the target's on your back now. You, you and Jamar Chase. So let's see what they do. But yeah, that is going to be a division and a development to watch in Cleveland for sure. Especially this year, I feel like, like we said, if he starts lighting it up, the NFL is stands for not for long. So people ain't going to talk about this forever, unfortunately. Unless he ends up getting charged in civil court and then it gets brought up all over again. But assuming that doesn't happen or he settles out of court, which is very possible. um, If he plays well on the field, at least in certain parts of the country, people are going to overlook some of that other stuff. Especially because he wasn't convicted. We'll see how the dominoes fall. Right. Hey guys, it's your boy Devin Nash, BSK, play by play, asking you to like and subscribe, but also to spread the word about my new book, PG vs. Moco, a memoir of high school football in the shadow of the nation's capital. The state of Maryland has produced some of the top names in college football and the NFL, from private school sensations like Trayvon Diggs and Chase Young, to the public schools that are responsible for Joe Hayden, Navarro Bowman, Sean Merriman, Trayvon Diggs, and Jake Funk, to name a few. This book is a collection of interviews and personal accounts from journalists, coaches, fans, and former and current players from public schools in two of Maryland's most prominent counties, Prince George's and Montgomery, that aims to tell our story and raise awareness on what's brewing in the area we affectionately call the DMV. I would appreciate it if you all could support by purchasing a copy on Amazon and spreading the word to friends and family. Thank you all for your love and support, and be sure to like and subscribe. We have reached the best part of the show. A part of the show I like to call Big Time Plays of the Day. Dedicated to all the biggest highlights in the world right now. And at least in the world of sports. If Deshaun Watson was the biggest news of the week. I don't think anything else is as big. You you know, at this time of year, the month of March is arguably one of the best times on the entire calendar. Because... You have the NFL draft, NFL free agency has begun. The NBA is wrapping things up as the playoffs are coming. But the biggest and most notable part of March is March Madness. The NCAA men's and women's tournaments. It's Jamal's brackets getting blown to hell. <laughs> yeah, all of right. You know, they said there is not one bracket in America right now left that is correct after Friday night. You know, so 
that just tells you this March Madness might be madder than all the other ones because it's been a lot of craziness in these openings. I mean, of course you expect it, but some of these games, I'm like, bro, my bracket, damn it, <laughs> you know, like, and I think a lot of people are saying that, but the biggest upset to me might have been St. Peter's over Kentucky. I'm like, bro, if there was an upset in the first round that just made you go, what the hell? That I know nobody in America outside of New Jersey pick. <laughs> it's that. I have, I've been looking more into St. Peter's the last few days, and this makes no sense. Do you know what St. Peter's campus looks like? I do now. I've seen their arena. It is a street. It is one street. Like, not even a full street. Like, half a street. Their gym does not measure up to my middle school gym. It... Uh, how are they qualified to be D1 is my question. How? How does that work? And then you beat Kentucky. Coach Cal, you need to be fired. Gone. We're going to have this discussion about him. Sooner or later. We, all, we already knew. All right, Coach Cal, you not Coach K, you not Roy Williams, you not uh, Bill Sell. Bill Sell, you're not Tom Izzo in Michigan. You're not, we know we're not guys but dog come on when you think of all the NBA one and duns that he's had go through that program but you realize that he only has one national championship and he's only gotten to two <laughs> like like bro that that's a, that's a crime in itself but now you losing to, to, to the team with one white dude they're at a school called St. Peter's, and they only got one, one white dude. You losing to Catholic schools, bruh. This is a Catholic you, school. You lost to a Disney Channel original movie school. That's what you lost. This is just, this is just, I, like, and, and, and now I'm really rooting for them now. Because I saw them against Murray State. This team is crazy. <laughs> I don't think they're beating Purdue or Texas. But it's going to be a hell of a ride, regardless. They could they could beat Texas. Texas is too inconsistent. They could beat Texas. Probably, they, probably. If they catch Texas on the wrong day, they could beat Texas. But that's the beauty. That's why we love. That's the beauty of March Madness. That's, that's why we love this tournament. Look, we we all know the rule of sports. Anybody can beat anybody. One, One time. time. <laughs> it's like you know. Is there another upset that you saw that was just like, bro, what is going on? <laughs> Or near upsets. Uh, Were there any near upsets? Look, uh, anything. I don't have a near upset that made me mad, but I did have an epiphany about the selection committee right before the tournament started. Which is why? Why are HBCUs always this is what I'm saying? This is what I'm saying. Like, bro, Yale was a 14 seed. Yale, you can't tell me an Ivy League school is playing a tough in a tougher conference than the SWAC or the BAC. No way. No fucking. And TSU is one of the better programs. Oh, not oh, TSU is probably the best HBCU program in America, and it's probably the third or fourth best basketball program in the state of Texas. And I'm including Baylor, A and M, Tech. It's probably right behind them. So. Selection committee, just explain to me why TSU is always a 16 seed. Like, there's, there's no way you're telling me. You and even when you remember UMBC, 
Yep. They were the 16th seed. Yeah, they were. UMBC is a damn near community college. You cannot tell me they deserved a higher... No, no, no. Seed. They were a 16. They were the first 16 to be a one. Were they the 16? Yeah. But, but still, they are a community college, though. I've, I've been up there because they're right up the road from Morgan. So it's like, bro. But still, the Ivy Leagues, I've seen Yale, Harvard, I believe Princeton once or twice. They've never been 16 seeds. Yale's a 14 seed this year. Why RHBC, why you set us up for failure like that? And then even still, like Norfolk State this year, 22-7. and seven. So they weren't. They were finally not put in a first four game. They were actually put in as a true sixteen. But why are they a sixteen over under Yale? Like you said, Yale, Princeton, or Harvard. You know, these niggas are accountants, lawyers, and future CEOs playing basketball and really don't care about this shit at all. There is no reason that Norfolk State is under them playing Baylor in the first round. That's not fair at all. That is not fair. We get. They probably will never get above a 13 seed as long as they are in their respective conferences away from Power 5 and everything. Da, 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 da. But you can't tell me uh, teams from these random tiny conferences. I don't even know what conference St. Peter's is in. Even St. Peter's. So like, bro, how are you going to tell me St. Peter's is a, I mean, no disrespect to them, but how are you going to tell me they're above TSU or Norfolk State? Exactly. And we're not begging for them to be a top 10 seed. But you can't tell me TSU was not at least as good as Yale to get a 14 or a 13 team. Right. You know, it's, 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 just, it's just disgusting. It's nasty. I'm calling it, and I demand that for reparation purposes, no HBCU who makes the tournament is ever lower than a 14 team. And stop putting us in the first four, damn it. Especially that one year when they were slick. When they had Texas Southern play Hampton, and it's like, bro, so we're, we're out here pitting against each other. It's hard enough for us. Now y'all instituting crab in the barrel mentality by putting us against each other at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> what is yeah. going on? This is racist. At least, at least let us fight at the top of the barrel. Why we got to be at the bottom? Right. It's just just nasty, you know. And and it's not to say. And they're gonna argue that oh, you know, anybody can get upset on a given day, which is true because you know Norfolk State did beat Missouri in 2011. And as a 16C, so it's possible. It's happened before. But it is only one time in the history of this tournament that a 16 has ever beaten a 1. In this in the, probably damn near 100-year-old tournament. Well, it ain't that Why? old, but it's, it's like 40 or 50 years old, which is still old as hell. 243-1 and one, or something like that. It, it don't make no damn sense. Like, you're not going to tell me, oh, anybody can get upset. No, nigga. It happened like one time. <laughs> it's not like there are 12 playing a 5. 12-5 is always an upset. <laughs> yeah, you Dude, know. One of them going down. I don't know what it is about being a 12, but <laughs> it's like, bro, it's crazy. And it happened again this year. I forgot who it was, but it happened again this year. It was like, bro, I think it was. I believe I. No, Iowa got beat. They got that beat. That was a big upset that I actually picked because I don't trust Big Ten basketball if your name is not Ohio State or Michigan. I don't even trust Ohio State, really, if it ain't football season. If it ain't Michigan. Wisconsin got got beat because, again, you can't trust Big Ten basketball. Big Ten basketball is everything that's wrong with college basketball as a whole. It is slow. It It is hard on the eyes. You get a lot of low-scoring games. It's not efficient it's at all. Boring. It's boring. It's 
boring. They are stuck that in the is, 1980s. That is why <laughs> Tyler Hero did not stay committed to Wisconsin. It just he said no. No, it is not fun to play here. It's not. You you get guys who will clearly never play on an NBA court in their lives, who are just big, slow, but they get all the typical white qualities of they're gritty, tough. They play the game the right way. Uh, they, play, they play great team ball. They do play great team ball. Like, it's good for the college the day, game. But at the end of the day, it's just y'all are physically not talented enough. You're never athletic enough to just get the job done. And you're not this good enough shooters. And even the stuff that y'all are supposed to be good at, you're not good shooters. You know, there is no reason that a basketball game should ever end 51-49 to 49 and be 28-26 to 26 at halftime. That is nasty business. <laughs> that is not okay. That's not okay at all. It's disgusting. And even Michigan sometimes falls susceptible to that. It's just they get better recruits, so it doesn't happen as often. But, like, they actually get real basketball players there, like Hunter Dickinson and some of the guys they've had. But they still be doing that, too, when they play in the Big Ten. Like, when they play against the Purdue's and the, the you know, Michigan States of the world. So, it, it still happens with them. But And even... Even at Michigan State, you have a Hall of Fame head coach in Tom Izzo. And even Michigan State is like, they're better. It's better than like Indiana or uh, in Iowa. But it's still, it's just not fun. Like, I don't like watching them play. (laughs) And I hate Wisconsin. I would never root for Wisconsin, Purdue, Iowa. I would never root for any of That's the big three of like purgatory in basketball. Just. I would rather watch an SEC matchup, which in basketball, SEC is a JV league. They had a good run this year, but for the most part, SEC basketball is not great. SEC football ain't that much better. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, but when I say things like that, it's a questionable statement. Oh no, I've said it for years. The SEC as a conference, whether we're talking basketball that's being carried by Kentucky and Auburn, or in football that's being dragged to hell by Alabama and Georgia, some years. Either way, the conference top to bottom is just like, yeah, it's it's, it's okay. It's meh. It's meh. It's meh. Depending on the year, you'll have some teams. Like like I said, Auburn, like you said, Auburn is great. I like watching Auburn. I don't have a problem watching them. Kentucky is cool. You know, LSU most years, but now they got a new head coach because Will Wade got fired right before the tournament, which was stupid. Um, LSU is not <laughs> it's a barely above average program. Exactly. They didn't, even you know? make the, they didn't even make the tournament with Ben Simmons. I was about to say, how you get Ben Simmons in the building? Y'all niggas ain't even making IT. Exactly. What do you think about... The, some of the biggest recruits or big Shaq? players to go to NBA out of LSU, Shaq, and then 25 years later, Big Baby Davis. I can't think of nobody else in between. I mean, Chris Jackson, well, he became Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf, but he wasn't even, like, he wasn't a superstar in the NBA. He was great, and then he protested during the anthem, and that was the end of his career. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, LSU ain't had too many, like, in LSU's basketball, LSU is not a basketball school. Like we know that. Well, the, we 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 yeah, no, nah. we know what it's there for. Right, <laughs> line of scrimmage university. Like clearly, yeah, <laughs> so that's what it is. <laughs> so yeah, but like you said, SEC. I'd rather watch them than the Big Ten. You know, Pac-12 got a lot of exciting teams. You know, uh, Big Twelve clearly is the best conference in college basketball. 
you know, so and yeah. It, it is definitely between Big 12. The ACC is pretty... Is and ACC, but they had a bad year this year. I mean, yeah, because North Carolina just... North Carolina decides to shit the bed this year for whatever reason. Until Duke the is, tournament. Duke is playing. Duke is being Duke. I actually picked Duke to win. Do I like Duke? Absolutely not. I do not care. It's just out of respect for Coach K. Out of respect for Coach K. <laughs> I, he deserves to go out on top. Right. He deserves that. Right. Now, yeah, ACC usually is good, but you know. But even them, like, I, I will never, ever willingly watch Syracuse play. I refuse to do it. I hate Syracuse basketball. That 2 3 zone I, is disgusting. See, as a fan of the Miami Heat, you know, I appreciate a good zone. You know, the small zone is a great thing. And Coach Beheim. But at least in the NBA, people know how to attack it, and it's way more efficient. In college basketball, these dudes be throwing layups up on a wing and a prayer. I mean, yeah. It's definitely unorthodox, especially for this day and age. Like, I I don't think I've ran a real 2-3 zone since, like, seventh grade. Right. But, yeah, that's, that's what that happened. But, I mean, like, you know, the tournament is getting crazy. It's only getting crazier. The one thing I do know, regardless of who wins, I will never pick Gonzaga again. Even if they win. I won't do it. Because every time they do, every time I pick them, they let us all down. They did it last year. They did it the year before that. 2020, they would have let us down if they had a tournament. But obviously, COVID prevented that. So thankfully to COVID, Gonzaga didn't have a chance to ruin themselves in 2020. 2019, they ruined it. They just, every year, when you think they're going to do it, and then they just let us down. And I feel like they might do it this year, but I refuse to pick them. No, I'm, I'm rolling with Nova. <laughs> I, will, I will go with Nova over Gonzaga. And for me, that's saying a lot because I often get them confused of which one is which. I don't know. In my mind, their names sound similar. Whether that's true or not, don't judge me. I don't care. I know the Gonzaga championship would be crazy, though. If those two end up meeting each other, because they're on opposite sides of the bracket, so it could happen. But I got UCLA. You know, I just something they got. They got the same team that went to a Final Four last year. Everybody is back. You know, either them or North Carolina is starting to pick it up right at the right time. So I think North Carolina can make a run too. But I'm going with UCLA. Maybe either them or Gonzaga, or I'll throw Auburn in there too, depending on what happens tonight. I'm not trusting. North, this North Carolina team, they've been too inconsistent for me. I've seen I've seen them play great against Duke. I've seen them shit the bed against Duke. That's enough for me, and that's telling me that's telling me they're not great at the big moments. Auburn, I will never believe in SEC basketball. Right, and the Billy way- Donovan, Billy Donovan, Joe Kid Noah, and Corey Brewer are not walking through that door. So I have lost all faith in SEC basketball. It's, we know Kentucky ain't going to do nothing. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're just there to go to the NBA. Right. They're, they're not there to compete in the tournament. And, then, and Calipari said as such. So, yeah. And the way Auburn's getting that ass, the way Auburn got that ass waxed by Miami, <laughs> it's like, bro, it's, it's crazy. So we will see. But the madness is only going to get crazier as the days go by. But that's what it is. Now... From March Madness to NFL, we go. And 
as mad as March has been in the basketball, that's kind of come to be expected. This NFL offseason has been one that has been a tad bit unprecedented. The amount of movement we've seen is crazy. To, to think that Deshaun Watson going to Cleveland ended up becoming the biggest news of the offseason, but not even a few days before that, like, we got the bombshell of all bombshells. Now, you and I both are Avatar fans. We obviously know that when the world needed Aang the most, he disappeared for 100 years. And then he did return ultimately and save the world. In Tampa Bay, Tom Brady didn't wait quite as long, but he disappeared when they needed the most, but now he's back. <laughs> because he, he just can't prices. stay away. He saw the gas prices and shit, I'm going back to work. I he, can't do this. He watched his kids one day and decided, I've had enough. Fuck them I'm kids. Done. Team fuck them kids. You know, you know, like you know, it's out of <laughs> it, it. it was fuck them kids. This weather is too nice. They always want to do shit. I, why can't y'all just sit in y'all room and watch TikTok? Man, sit y'all asses down. Why y'all running around the house? I can't deal with this. You know, and he can't even went right back. Y'all weren't this bad when you were younger and we were in New England. We was in Boston, Daddy. It was cold. And you weren't even home. The nanny been trying to tell y'all we bad and you don't listen. You ain't want to listen because you only deal with us for four months out of the year. Right. Same with mom because she's doing her model thing. Like, <laughs> so, but we're here now. Tom Brady is back. And coincidentally enough, right after Tom Brady gets back, suddenly the Bucks start opening the pocketbook. Mark, Mark, Marquise Godwin got his money. You know, Leonard Fournette decides he wants to come back. Gronkowski, it's looking more and more like he's going to return instead of retiring. Like, oh, it's just funny how one dude just makes all these people. Now they're recruiting Julio Jones to come down there and play. Like, it's just funny how things have started moving for Tampa Bay. And what looked like the sorriest division in football, and it was about to be wide open, and then had Deshaun Watson actually signed with Atlanta or Carolina, that division would have been wide open. Now it's effectively a lock again. Because Atlanta not only didn't get the shine, but now they've now they've isolated Matt Ryan, and he's angry and he wants an extension. And now you know that situation is going to be weird. Carolina still don't have a quarterback, and the Saints got too many pieces all over the place to really understand what's going on down there. <laughs> so it's looking more and more like Tampa Bay is just going to be back again. But to add more insult to injury, Matt Ryan obviously passed due. Calvin Ridley, his best target, gone. Mm-hmm. The Panthers are basically done with CMC. He's been on multiple trade blocks because mm-hmm. you built the whole offense around him. Then you realize, wow, we built the whole offense around him, and we literally can't do anything without him. Right. And so I don't think that the NFC South is if Brady just halfway shows up, it's his. Yeah. Pretty much. It's kind of like become the AFC East. Like when he just won it for 20 years unchecked, unabated. That's what the NFC South is now. And I don't think they're going to win again. I just think it's too difficult in general. Like if they win this year, I'd be shocked. I think the Rams are going to re-up and reload. But nobody is angrier at Tom Brady coming back than the man up in Green Bay. Because he signed this deal... This three-year deal decided to come back for the Packers. Not only does Tom Brady come back, but Devontae Adams leaves the building. He said, nah, he, I'm good. I'm good. I'm he decided done. to go to Vegas. 
Can you imagine choosing Derek Carr over Aaron Rodgers? How shitty does the Packers organization have to be to make that seem like a more viable option? But you know what? Again, we can go back to the weather. In, in the Lambeau cold, that ball is hard as shit. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm tired of playing in the cold for you to choke up in the NFC Championship, Aaron. You're too good for that. You're an all-time great. You keep making my life harder than it needs to be. I'm going to go to Vegas, where at least if I win, I don't have to live in fucking Green Bay, Wisconsin, in negative 14 degree weather. Why we don't have a dome? It don't make no sense <laughs> for Lambo to not be a dome. It's like old tradition. Nigga, it's cold. Fuck tradition. tradition. The Vikings been around damn near as long as the Packers. They got a dome. Well, they, they had a brief period when they played outside, and then they got a dome again when they realized how it ain't it. It don't matter. Soldier Field. Soldier Field is old and raggedy. They've been trying to get that bitch replaced for years. That's Sitting on the banks of Lake Michigan. <laughs> it don't. It don't make sense. The entire NFC North needs to play in domes because I'm not trying to deal with that shit. Detroit gets it. Screwed. Detroit gets it. They played the dome for years. Detroit gets it. I don't get what the other. Detroit what's not clicking? What is not clicking for these other teams? I don't. I don't get what's it. What's not? What's not clicking? And Detroit, the sorriest one out of all of them. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. Minnesota came around, finally. <laughs> you know? Like, what is not clicking with you two over here? And, and Devontae Adams went and joined the AFC Wild Wild West. Now, I want to take this opportunity to look at the rest of the AFC East, who is not named the Patriots. Do you see what the AFC West has done to stop a monster who is in their division. Do you not see what's going on? So the Bills, the Dolphins, and who else is in that stupid division not named the Patriots? The Jets. And Jets. Y'all did nothing, basically, to let Tom Brady run your division for the better part of a decade and a half. Y'all did next to nothing. The Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos have all said, no, 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 Pat Mahomes, Chiefs. You are not going to just run over this entire division. Matter of fact. You have to fight all of us. Right. Matter of fact, not only did the AFC East stand by and not do nothing for Tom Brady, a lot of them teams outside of the Dolphins kept giving him players. Do you know how many former Bills Went over to New England in trades, not even free agency. I'm talking trades. Like, here, bro, we don't want him anymore. Y'all take him off of us. Y'all gave them Stephon Gilmore at the prime of his career. The Dolphins gave Tom Brady Wes Welker. The Jets gave him Bill Belichick. <laughs> I mean, like, bro, the fucking, like, Darrell Revis. I'm like, bro, how many players within that division are y'all just going to be like, here? Not only do we hate you, but we want you to... Not only do you beat us without these guys, but now we're going to give you these guys and still think, hey, you know what? Let's compete for a title this year. And I just don't... I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. There's no other division in football that has made it so easy for one opponent. And, and the difference is, like you said, outside of Miami, no one else even posed Brady a threat for majority of the time there. 
Like you can you can say obviously the Chiefs have have ran the AFC for the last five four to five years. But you know what? The Chargers have beaten them three times, and every loss over the last two years has come in overtime. So they have not just ran through it. The Broncos gave them a great game this year. Um, the only even the Raiders gave them one good game. So at least the AFC West is saying, even if you beat us, you're not going to bitch us. Like Tom Brady you, bitched that entire division. Right. Exactly. And Josh Allen about to do it the next ten years. Like it's the same thing. Just reincarnated now. <laughs> no resistance whatsoever. Now, the Bills they need to stop being dumb and learn how to be and learn how to play just just enough defense to be, to beat Pat Mahomes because you had him beat. Mm-hmm. You had him beat. You let that man walk. I don't give a damn if he had all three of his timeouts. You do not let a man walk down the field with thirteen seconds left. That is unacceptable, regardless of how many timeouts they had. Thirteen seconds. First of all, if it were for this is the current NFL kicker, you only got to get to the forty. Kickers are comfortable as hell kicking 51, 53 yard field goals. It's not an anomaly anymore. Yeah, and and that's it's what weird. Yeah, go ahead. And like you said, the Chiefs division, these dudes now are carrying Black Air Force energy. They are tired of being pushed around by the Chiefs now. If you are going to do anything, you will get curb stomped in the process of beating us. All right, we will beat your ass, and you will earn every victory. Because we're t- and now the Chiefs are as vulnerable as they've ever been. Because you look at everybody that they've lost, the only they got the nucleus like Mahomes, Watson, and Ke- and uh, Kelsey. I mean, no, Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey are all good to go. But you look at his offensive line has been a rotating door for year for the last couple of years. The defense, Tyron Matthew is not coming back. Frank Clark is coming back, but he's not great. Um, the defense was a liability last year before those guys got hurt, and now half of them are kind of up and down and plug in whatever. Like, you still don't have a consistent running game. You don't have a consistent running, running game. Exactly. You don't have a consistent running game. And now it seems like the rest of the league, like you said, the rest of the league is catching up to you. You saw Buffalo had you on the ropes. You know, you look at the rest of the AFC. Look at all of the best quarterbacks in the league are in the AFC. It's not like it was back in the past, you know, where you had Brady and Manning and the rest. <laughs> like, we're in. The, the biggest acquisition you could probably say the Chiefs made was Juju. Like, okay. But I mean, that was more for Jackson and Brittany than it was for Patrick. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> He does, How like, long is it gonna take before that TikTok shit drives him crazy? You know, he's gonna hop in a motherfucking Corvette and drive right out the postseason. Like, it, it just yeah, I don't think Juju is really whatever. He's there, you know. He's gonna help ease pressure off Tyreek Hill, I think. But you know, it's still they still can't run the ball. <laughs> you know, like you said, and you these still- other defenses are gonna be, especially San Diego or LA, gonna be on that ass. Look, we we have decided drop back drop back to pass if you want to. We got we got the white supremacists on one side, and your quarterback is black. You can kiss that goodbye. Right. And for and for the half white side, that home white hat. But Khalil Mack don't care. He does. And. For once, we went and stole a Patriot and J.C. Jackson, yep. who will contribute to the secondary and Derwin and Derwin James right. is still there. 
Exactly. Not to, and that's just the and that's just the LA team. The Broncos were a solid team last year outside of their quarterback play. Now we will finally be able to truly decide how good Jared Judy really is. Mm-hmm. And we, Dotson and all the other guys that they drafted. Yep. Yeah, we we all assumed Jared Judy was good. We can't blame him for his lack of production when I I am forget his name because he's so the dude who rapped Young Jeezy. Drew Lock. Drew Lock. ass Drew Lock. When, when, when Drew Lock is your quarterback, look, you, you can only do so much, and we understand that. But now, now you don't have an excuse. Now you got Russ, who, unlike uh, Deshaun Watson, is not going from good weather to bad weather. He's going from Seattle to Denver. He's going from bad weather to bad weather. So it, there's almost no difference. Right. He's used to this. Even though you got to feel for us, at some point you'd like to go somewhere where it can be nice like half the year. You know, I, I'd like somewhere where, you know, but I'm used to it because this is the weather you play in late in January. So it makes sense anyway. And, and look, I'm, I'm with you. I would get it. You know, stability in a franchise is what you're looking for. And minus the last, you know, probably two to three years. Seattle's been a, a decently consistent franchise. So you can overlook like, man, it's always raining. Like Stafford, Matt, Matt Stafford had it good. You play twelve years in the dome, and then go to L.A. Exactly. You got it. Yeah. You can play in the dome, and football is kind of like basketball season. Like it's in the dead middle of winter. Yeah, but we play indoors. We ain't got to worry about that. Right. Ain't no snow, no cold. Well, aside from when I go to Chicago and Green Bay, which I notoriously lose in. But yeah. But, but yeah. But anyway, we get we say all that to say AFC West is coming for everybody's next. You know, they are coming for everybody's AFC next. AFC AFC Wild Wild West. In case you don't know what time it is. Mm-hmm. Now we move on. You played yourself. Dedicated to all the people who should have sat down and ate their food. You know, and sometimes we do this begrudgingly. You know, this week it was very difficult for me to do these women like this, but Howard University's women's basketball team clearly we kind of figured this was going to happen when you go into the house that Don Staley built. I, I kinda understood that they were going to get pulverized and crushed. But four to four to four. It's basketball. It's not play. It don't make sense. It don't make sense at all. It don't make sense. 44-4. Men's college basketball, it, when, when teams get blown out, they don't get blown out like this. When people ask, why do people love March Madness so much more than like the NBA? It's because the NBA, there's no parity. You know realistically, four or five teams really got a shot at me. In right. men's college basketball, it's anyone's game any year. Women's college basketball is like the NBA. There's, there's only four or five teams that really got a shot at this on a year-in, year-out basis. South Carolina, Baylor, Tennessee is still there some years, but it's not like Pat Summit is still there, RIP, one of the greatest coaches ever. Um, Stanford, uh, Texas A&M, Texas. There's only so many women's basketball programs who even come close to standing a chance. And unfortunately, Howard, 
ran into one of those four or five. Yeah, no, that, that that's wild stuff. Because it's like, man, college, women's college basketball is different. Like, I've never seen such a disparity from the top 1% to the rest of the country. Like, in women's. And even, like, the top five teams in the country are good, great. They, they fight one another. But, like, there's a huge disparity even, like, number five to number ten. That you don't see in men's basketball. Like, the number 10, 10 team in the nation in men's basketball really could compete up there with a number one or number two team. In the women's game, if you are number one in the country, or if you're number 10 in the country and you go into UConn's house, you liable to get your ass whooped. <laughs> you know? Gino not going to play with you. Or South Carolina. Don will put one on you. From like the disparity from like the top five to like the next everybody is just crazy in women's, and yeah, like that's why I'm like, bro, I kind of expected Howard to get crushed, but not quite like that. To get held to just eight points through three quarters, and then twenty one for the game, just not what I was expecting. And you know what? If we got our reparations right, that wouldn't happen because that would be a fourteen C instead of a sixteen C, and well. South Carolina, they get buckets, and that ain't changing no time soon. Yeah, I I, I hope Don and them win it all, cause I'm I'm that team is crazy. Streets need UConn versus South Carolina. Streets need it. We do need it, <laughs> you know. But moving on, we talked about Tom Brady earlier. Obviously, his coming back shocked an entire nation because nobody expected it, especially the man that spent half a million dollars on what we thought was his final touchdown pass. I think that man's hurting right now. I think he's really hurting right now. Because me. Now, now, now it's just worth the same as any other touchdown ball. Mm-hmm. But you know who's relieved? Jalen Ramsey. Right. He said, now that last one won't be on me. I don't have to live with that. Right. And the man that missed out on buying that $500,000, i am sure he's glad he kept his money in his pocket, too. At least for now. For now. he wants to buy it at the end of this year. Right. <laughs> you there's, know? Always, there's always going to be a last touchdown ball, and I highly doubt the price will be any different. It, it but the you man, know? But, but the man who didn't sell it, Sorry, dog. You missed out. You missed out. You missed out. And speaking of which, we got breaking news. Auburn ain't who we thought they were. They lost to Miami. They ain't who we thought they were. (laughs) It's almost like Jamal said, we don't trust the SEC. So Auburn has played themselves. They have just made a late entry into the playing of themselves. The University of Auburn suck. Never mind. Let me not go there. What the hell happened? Fucking <laughs> pro. Like, Seventy-nine to sixty-one. They they lost by eighteen. Not just losing. It's not like you lost off a buzzer beater. You lost by eighteen points to a ten seed. SEC, SEC, the ACC showing that dominance again. You got Duke, Miami, um, uh, Duke and Miami. (laughs) You know, that's all. all We we don't need no. Oh, North Carolina. Can't forget about North Carolina. 
they out here winning too. So, shout out to the ACC for actually coming through when it matters. <laughs> this is like, it's just, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely freaking ridiculous. You know? But, speaking of ridiculous, the Los Angeles Dodgers lineup was nasty enough before Freddie Freeman signed there. Now, Freddie Freeman is in there. It's just not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> I just... There is no other way to say it. It's just not fair. If we gonna, if we are gonna have, then we gonna be prepared afterwards. Luckily, that is not the case, and we're getting a season. But the Dodgers said, you know what? We can't. We not depending on Kershaw choking again. He got over it once. We don't know if he'll get over it again. Now that's what I'm saying. Their pitching lets them down every year. But damn it, they are going to go out like like thieves in the night with all of this. You got Justin Turner, Trey, Tur- Trey Turner, Max Muncy, <laughs> Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts. I, I don't even really know who else. I'm sure it's some other people. But like, damn. <laughs> like, bro, how much more do you need? This is crazy. This is ridiculous. You got Kershaw pitching. They lost Max Scherzer, but they had him last year. You know, it, it's just, it's just, it, the rich keep getting richer in baseball, which is exactly this is what, what happens. You know, this is what happens when you don't have a cap. No cap. <laughs> no, no pun intended. Cap. Like you know, like no cap for the cap. Yeah, it just, it's just real nasty. It's just real disgusting. <sighs> man, man, man. You know. But we're going to move on from the negativity and switch to over to a little positivity. Well played, dedicated to the best stories of the week. And Colin Kaepernick is back in the public eye. You know, there are a lot of people. It's been some chatter. You know, people think maybe this is as good of an option as he's ever had to get to the league. I don't think it's happening. But he is working out with NFL quarterbacks. You know, he, he went down to Morehouse because why not? And was working out with Justin Fields and Tyrod Taylor, you know. So it's cool to see him, you know, giving back to some guys in the league and still helping pass some knowledge on and learn some things. So that that's that's what's up. That was a good thing to see this week. I'm I'm happy that Colin is doing his best to stay in shape and you know keep working. I don't think it's a good idea for him to ever play again. Ever. Look, man, because here here's what. If he goes in and plays great, then great. It, everything everything works out. You get to keep playing the game you love. You keep getting paid. No harm, no foul. But if you do anything short of greatness, everything that you stood for is gone out the window now. Everything goes out the window because now they can say, well, this is why he didn't have a job and none of the race stuff matters. Blah, blah, blah. It's not about the flag. All of even though everything he stood for is right, that is going to be the public perception. So you know what, dog? Sometimes you just gotta be a martyr. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta be that martyr and suck it up. And he's you way more powerful in. outside the league. Yep. <laughs> you, you gotta pull a Star Wars. If you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you would ever imagine. Right. And that's where he's at with it. So that. Speaking of more powerful than ever being imagined, Young Dolph has been immortalized in Jackson State 
They have now named their tunnel after him in honor of him. They call it a paper route. You know, Dolph was a, as far as I saw, he was a pretty decent, he was a pretty big supporter of Jackson State. You know, obviously this past year he was celebrating with them in the locker room, you know, so it's cool to see, you know, them return the favor and stuff. But it's always good for somewhat positive. You know, it's, it's good for teams to name teams and universities to name stuff after people the students actually know and like. And like, well, both both of you are college grads. Did you know ninety percent of the people, buildings or event centers or anything, were named after? Generally. Maybe like one or two, but I didn't know them personally. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Nope. I didn't know anyone who our was named after. Well, it's diff- I feel like at HBCU it's a little bit different because most of our buildings are named after racists. But <laughs> like, true, true. <laughs> so I think it's a little bit different there. But like at some of these bigger schools, yeah, you're right. Like it'd be cool, especially at football when when your labor is ninety when when your student athletes are ninety percent or eighty percent black and play well and do well it's cool to just do little things here and there for them to help them feel valued and respected you know this is one of those especially things especially the little things like name it I understand you probably won't name a stadium after Dolph but you know a tunnel a, a tunnel is cool to name after rapper. yeah generally speaking the tunnel is the first part of the stadium you go through anyway that's the part that you know you get hyped when you're coming out on the field to 53,000 people or whatever the number is like the title is just as significant as the actual field itself. For anybody that's played the game, you know. Like, going through that tunnel is the first part of getting yourself right. So, that's where that's where the mindset really can click in. And especially in football, you look for any little thing to get an advantage. Like, the deep t- attention to the little things matters. So, here we are with it. It's the simple things. Simple things. But, we are going to wrap this up. It's been a long episode, but we're going to end it on this segment I like to call Let's Play a Game, and I'm going to ask you, Jamal, in honor of Winning Time, which is looking like it's going to be a bona fide classic biopic series, at least through the first two episodes, Magic Johnson was a menace, let's just say that now, he was a menace, Um, but I say all that to say, clearly, this is a pretty good hit so far, you know, it's looking like a lot of people are paying attention to it and all that stuff. I asked you, Jamal, as a fan of biopic series myself, I have some ideas, but I want to see what are your ideas for the next big biopic series you would like to see, whether in sports or otherwise? All right. I'll give you one about sports, and I'll give you one that's non-sports related. Of sports? Um, I think it's pretty obvious what we need at this point. We need Deion Sanders. And not documentary. We're talking biopic. Like, somebody else plays him. So, yes. Both. Absolutely. Deion Sanders, was, Deion Sanders was every bit a verbal menace that Muhammad Ali was. Actually, the 90s Cowboys in general would make one hell of a... <laughs> Michael Irvin hitting the cocaine. I, <laughs> Deion Sanders. I, I, don't think, I don't think Mike would allow anyone but him to play him. That's true. Let's think about the longest yard. Michael Irvin was definitely playing himself. That is true. That is true. So, biopic wise, Deion Sanders, we need that. No, you don't and think. Told, you don't think Deion told, would let 
You you don't think Dion wouldn't play himself? Dion would Dion would be like uh like Stan Lee. Oh, okay. In a cameo, but I think he he'd let someone else play him. Probably like one of his sons or something. Yeah, he he makes sure or somebody do it. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, we did. Non, yeah, I hear what you're saying though. But non-bio, non-sports related biopic. Um, I gotta think. Will Smith would be one of the first guys, but we're kind of already getting that with Bel Air. That's kind of more of a yeah, more of a real thing. Um, someone whose life is just interesting. Oh, no. I'll have to come back to you. What do you got for me? Yeah. Well, like I said, that, that 90s Cowboys thing in terms of biopic series, like, documentary would be cool, but if we could get a biopic series with dramatization <laughs> and really spice things up, I'd be here for that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Who would they get to play Michael Irvin? That would be hilarious. I, I, I would like to see that. I also, um, it, if we're sticking with sports... I would have to say, man, who who would I think of? Hmm, this one would be difficult. Maybe the '80s Hurricanes <laughs> or the 2001 Hurricanes. <laughs> I mean, but is it, would, wouldn't that just be the you though? And exactly, yeah, they have a documentary. They have a documentary, so that one wouldn't. Um, who else? Who else is out there? You know, Kevin James made Sean Payton into a movie. That was interesting. Uh, the, the life, and, the life and times of Michael Vick. <laughs> yeah, I think him or AI. Follow Michael Vick. Him or AI. Because I think AI too. Hey, how about we just make it a peninsula? Make it a a seven five seven thing. A peninsula series. <laughs> <laughs> just say, hey, let's throw Aaron Brooks in there too. Yeah, AI Vic, because they came out around the same time. They were both culturally influenced, so AI Vic would be a thing. I definitely, yeah, Michael Vic definitely needs a biopic. Um, you, I guess you could throw AI in there. Oh, oh, oh! Now, if we're going outside us, you got one. You got another. One? I know we kind of touched it with their with their thirty for thirty, but Reggie Bush needs a story of his own. That man dated Kim Kardashian before it was popular. Before it was cool. He was the greatest running back in the history of college football, regardless of what the NCAA tries to say. Oh, yes. the Fab Five. We could get a duck. We could get a docu-series on the Fab Five. Or a biopic. A, a biopic, yeah. We, we could get both. Yeah, well, we... It kind of touched, but it wasn't, yeah. But it's not in depth. Or, or you know what? Maybe not the Fab Five. UNLV's running Rebels. That that team with Tarkanian and the team that kind of inspired the Fab Five. That, that squad. UNLV team, that would definitely work. That squad would be crazy on the big screen. Now, if we're going outside of sports, I would say Kanye West because I saw the picture of Donda and somebody was like, bro, if he ever gets a movie, we know who's playing his mom. 
and everybody was like, because everybody thinks like Viola Davis will probably play his mom, because she the picture we saw it looked just like her, or they could make her look like her. So I feel like Kanye West would be one. Uh, we're talking about a life that was interesting. Remember, I told you I always bring him up, but when Satchel Paige went to the DR for the 1937 baseball season, I feel like that could be something. Kind of like what Regina King did with One Night Miami. It would be like a one-show series and like just kind of imagining what that experience was like for him. <laughs> um, for him to learn to speak Spanish, that would help. Right. Yeah. Um, Who else? People. Not that. Yeah, people. Um, who else? Who else is out there? Uh, hmm. People just weren't that interested. <laughs> See, this is this is why we like sports. People aren't that interesting, but athletes are. Right, right. You know, Bob Marley's already getting one, so I don't know when, but it is coming. Uh, same with Trevor Noah. If you ever read Born to Crime, that story is apparently getting a movie. I don't know when though, but they got Luke, the Lapidas in it. Uh, yeah, uh, I think that Jay Z. No, no. Jay, think Jay Z would make a good story, and it'd be really different than Biggie and Pac, since it has like real business aspirations in it. Right. He kind of was the bridge between Biggie and Pac, and then the current generation, because he was there for them, which is really crazy to me. You gotta throw the beef in there with Nas. Yeah. He's gotta it's gotta show how bad he lost. Yeah, so Jay-Z definitely Jay-Z and Kanye, them the only two current rap stars I think that would be interesting enough to get biopics. And, and then we could get a mini then we could get one crossover episode like we used to get with cartoons back in the day. They could show <laughs> the beginning of Watch the Throne and the fall of Watch the Throne. Right. The fall of the throne. <laughs> but, the fall of the throne. But the, yeah, that's throne to from throne to launch it. From throne from throne to dome, done actually because it just wouldn't say right. But yeah, <laughs> but that is all we got for y'all today. This has been an excellent show. You know, shout out to Jamal for coming through and you know coming through, man. You know, shout out to you. catch me anytime on the D1 in the University podcast. You can check us out at D1ignantUniversity.com Get some merch, check out our social media and see our fun ignorant facts because why not? I'm an interesting person and that'd be on the show sometimes too so that's all you need to know about that. Exactly. Now, this has been the Play by Play Analysis Podcast A Real Nigga Turns 26 next this Friday coming up by the next time y'all see me I will be a 26-year-old. Also, fuck the SEC basketball. Fuck the Big Ten. They're all letting us down this postseason. Gonzaga's probably going to win it all, but I refuse to actually give them credit until they do. And, yeah, we're going to roll out with that one. So, we got to get up out of here. I'm going to see y'all when I see y'all. Deuces. Yeah.